0: Welcome to the Petty Prophet Podcast Weekly Man Hug Edition, where we talk about news, politics, and culture from a Christian worldview. And once a week, we get together, me and my brothers Aaron and Sam, and we talk about stuff. So, as you would imagine, this week, we're going to talk about stuff. Um, And (laughs) this week, we're talking about uh, Paul David Tripp and kind of the woke movement in churches, the the racial reconciliation movement in churches. And uh, this is not a subject I ever foresaw spending this much time on in my podcast. Um, it's not even really a, a, an area I was aware of or tapped into when I started this podcast, uh, but here we are. You know, it's, it's something that is kind of at the forefront of the culture, and uh, it's the center of uh, a lot of the conversations happening within the church, and so I, I feel like it's important, and uh, things continue to happen that I think it's important we uh, respond to. So uh, this week, uh, we're talking about Paul David Tripp. Now, Paul David Tripp, uh, who you may be familiar with, is a uh, pastor, theologian, teacher, author, uh, someone who has had an impact on me. I've really appreciated his work over the years, and he recently came out with a a video on uh, racial justice and systemic racism in the church, that was kind of his uh, woke coming out video, if you will. So me and my brothers kind of take that apart uh, and discuss that. Um, we're also going to discuss some of the resources that Paul Tripp uh, recommends, um, including the book Woke Church by Eric Mason and um, some some other videos and, and books as well. And then finally, we talk about Nick Cannon, who... Um, was uh, kind of canceled on the internet last week after his dialogue on a podcast where he made kind of some black supremacist comments. Um, and so we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then as always, kind of try to always bring it back to scripture, bring it back to the gospel. What does the Bible say about all of this? Um And I hope you find it beneficial. Hope you find it uplifting. Uh, Do keep in mind that all of the resources that we're going to talk about, all of the videos and books uh, that we're going to talk about, I will have them linked in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to write them down as we're talking about them. You can uh, check out the links in the show notes if you want to follow up and read any of these resources for yourself. So without further delay, here we go. Let's talk about this. Oh, and one more thing. Uh, just so you're aware, we open up with a little bit of small talk, uh, talking about our kids and updating on our lives. Um, and if you're not interested in all that, which if you aren't, how dare you? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you want to skip to the good stuff, the the meat of the episode, you can skip ahead to about the nine minute mark. And uh, that's when we kind of jump into today's discussion. So there you go. All right.
1: How's how's your how's your daughter? She good. We went yeah. to our twenty week appointment today and Oh my gosh,
0: you have a daughter. Yeah, I know. I so have a
1: daughter. Um and she's perfect. Everything is Yay. Like everything is measuring up exactly at twenty awesome. weeks, which is even pretty weird for a healthy baby, so she's right on track for everything. It's a super baby. Um, yep. Her heart's all good. Her spine looks good. She's got her fingers and her toes. And her brain and her face. This is, perfect. This, perfect is gonna, baby. this is gonna make me a. Uh, this is the name of the beer I'm drinking. Oh wait, Princess <laughs> Princess Yum Yum. Yum. <laughs> 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 that doesn't make me a millennial Zoomer. I don't know what that really that does. Does, does. Princess Yum 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 Yum. What kind
0: of what kind of beer is that? Did is you that steal that a... from Emily's stash it's or a, something? It's a Raspberry what? Kolsch. Oh my! What the? It's pretty good. Get I, get out of here, Sam. Get get, get, get out of
2: here with
1: your this fake This is a man hug. This isn't a girly man hug. I ran
0: out of whiskey. So Actually on. I drink all of my whiskey. Princess so. Yum Yum. That sounds that's like a the name of a Chinese restaurant. Doesn't <laughs> it? It does. Princess Yum Yum. It really does. I, I would eat there. I would eat at Princess Yum Yum. That'd be awesome. Oh goodness. Some general sows. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um well that's great news, Sam. Glad yeah. the baby's doing well. Yeah, What's me the name? Too. What's the name of the baby? It's uh, it's she's named a name. Dang it.
2: I don't so know. close. I I it was, was I I I I almost like laughed or something and I held it back cuz I wanted to see if same I almost court. just told you. I know. <laughs> did close. you really? Did you almost Did you almost yeah, do? Yeah, I mean it?
0: it almost came out of my mouth. We'll
2: have to try it later, Joel.
0: I right, we we will. We'll okay. sneak it in at the end. All right. Aaron, how are you doing?
2: Great. Doing good. The other day, I decided to go back and watch Star Wars episode 1 again. Oh my. Because honestly, after all of the just the dumpster fire that is the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. I actually started feeling like fondly toward N- nostalgic. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because at least they're still Star Wars. You yes. know? In all yes. their cheesiness and awkwardness and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still it still feels Star Wars y to me. Maybe it's just yes. the nostalgia. But anyway, yeah, so started watching that. Re revisiting it. How was it? I'm I'm still I, I just started a little bit ago, so I'm I, okay. you know I just chip away. You know how watching movies is these days, you just you take fifteen, twenty minutes here or there, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the course of like a week or two. And mm-hmm. uh <laughs> and uh so yep. Just uh they just visited Boss Nass and you know
0: Gungan City. <laughs> and uh That's it's hard to believe that was uh, nineteen ninety nine it was twenty one years ago. Twenty one The movie came out. Yeah. The the graphics aren't bad considering for the time the, it was revolutionary you know, for the time. Yeah. Yes. It was a big deal. And, and they thought, they thought they were going to be a shoe in for best special effects. And then the matrix, I remember beat them out for mm. Oscar and best special effects, 1999, Th- the year the matrix came out in 1999 is like my like ADBC. Like, it's like everything in my life is like <laughs> before the matrix, after the matrix. It's <laughs> so silly. Yeah. Uh, so
2: beyond that, um, nothing much else is, uh, is happening. That's the, the exciting news in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, great.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Well, um, I had a milestone with my daughter today. Um, she learned how to pronounce her R's for the first time. What? <laughs> oh, that's kind of sad, yeah, actually. That is kind of sad. I know, right? It's <laughs> like the end of an era. That was like her signature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she finally got it. How did, you, how did it.
2: you walk through that process with her?
0: Well, we we looked through a bunch of, and, and so for the listener, my daughter is five years old. She's going to be in uh, kindergarten this fall, and she always has had this, like, a completely adorable speech impediment. She cannot, for the life of her, pronounce her R's, and so even her name, Clara, she goes Klawa, and uh, uh, so we just watched a bunch of YouTube videos. And they, they teach you how to, like, scrunch your tongue in and touch the top of your teeth so that you can make that R sound. And she got it, and she it was just so excited. And she's been walking around the house practicing the R sound. And she, for a while, she couldn't get it. Like, she, she couldn't get the inflections right, so she would just, like, try too hard. Like, she'd say the word Clara, and she'd be like... Clara, Clara, and then finally uh-huh. she got the inflection. And, and so, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it is kind of sad. It yeah. is kind of sad. It, I I at least have that time capsule in uh, one of my old podcasts where she read oh, that yeah. fairy tale that she wrote herself. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh What was it? Iran, fake news, and fairy tales. So, for the listener, if you want to check that out, at the end of that podcast. Um, Clara wrote her own fairy tale and she read it and I recorded it and added sound effects for the podcast, but it, she's speaking in that adorable voice of hers with no R's. So mm. at least I have that to remember that by, <laughs> but, um, anyway, our audience doesn't want to hear all this. This yeah. is boring.
2: Let's get on to the depressing stuff. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's get on to get on. our <laughs> depressing,
0: crumbling Republic. La- well, today. this week is, it is the crumbling church. Uh, that was the title right man there. I feel like cr- I feel
1: like at least four of our podcasts so far have been about Dude. how the church is falling apart
0: <laughs> well I never <laughs> planned it that way you know I never it started it started with that podcast we did a little while back where we were just kind of curious it, it, we you know we uh, piggybacked off of that Tim Keller tweet tweet uh, <laughs> tweet where he talked about uh, white nationalism is bad full stop and it was this big controversial thing. Um and that was I'm just going to refer to it so people can go back hold on um if they want to listen to it. Yeah, uh it was episode 40, woke church, white supremacy and critical race theory. That was kind of like our our first foray into this mm-hmm. whole discussion. And um I have just found myself talking about it again and again because it keeps coming up. Right. Not just here, but just in my life, in our church, in conversations um, online, it is kind of like the big conversation that we are having in the American church right now. Mm-hmm. And so I th- thought that it it was worth maybe at least one more one more in-depth discussion to talk about kind of the latest the latest tragedy, our our beloved Paul David Tripp. Um, right, at least so he was my. Have you my, have
2: you just given up on him? Is he, <laughs> is he is he gone? No,
0: I'm continuing to pray for his salvation. <laughs> um, <so laughs> I'm just
2: see, see, kidding. I so yeah we, we you can you can intro it, but I missed uh, that.
0: What what happened? I just said that I so yeah. Sam just comes and goes as he pleases. It's just anarchy so, yeah, it in this. I needed another juice. princess. Yum <laughs> yum. <laughs>
2: it's probably just juice it's probably like just no straight it's, up it's actually very water. very hoppy
1: is it hoppy very hoppy so it's it grapefruit happy? juice then it doesn't even taste like raspberry it's not even that's, that's, that's all
0: that's all an ipa is it's grapefruit juice with a that's little right. beer tinge to it um, <laughs> much. anyway um we were talking about paul david trip sam and how ah, um, trippy boy
1: i asked if, yeah i asked if it,
2: joel it, had completely given up on on trip forever
0: and, yeah uh, are you burning all of his books I'm praying for his salvation. No i i have um I have his parenting book on my nightstand right now. As a matter of fact, it's his great parenting look. book it's was, great parenting was book. revelatory for me. Mm. A great yeah. parenting book, you know, biblical, gospel centered parenting book. And so that's too you bad he didn't obviously didn't mean any of that. <laughs> it was all <laughs>
2: there's no chapter in there about how to teach your baby about
1: wokeness.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no <laughs> how, chapter how about that? how to parent a black baby, which is okay. Must be very different since you know. Anyway, Sam. So you
1: know. I watched his video. I didn't really
0: see many issues with it. So do you want to mm. do you want to intro it? Joel, Could you kind of tell what we're yeah, talking about? I'll kind of we'll, just. I'll take yeah. us in for the for the listener here. So Paul David Tripp uh, is a a very well known uh, teacher and preacher in the evangelical world. He's written a lot of books that have um, impacted many. Uh, his book on parenting the one we were just mentioning um was very helpful to Kelsey and I as as we parent our kids you know and even in our Sunday school uh we've we've watched Paul David Tripp videos um he had a great um a great book called New Morning Mercies which was a great devotional book which I also have and so he recently uh debuted a YouTube video on his YouTube channel where he kind of it's kind of his, everyone's calling it his kind of coming out video. His coming out as a woke believer. So he has been going to Eric Mason's church for the last several years. And Eric Mason is the pastor of uh, Bethany, I think it's Bethany Fellowship, something like that. Um, I'll correct it if I have to. I think it's Bethany something. Um, and he wrote the book uh, entitled Woke Church. He... Kind of laid it all out very methodically, very you know, uh, with with biblical basis in, a, in his in his traditionally Paul Trippian way, and um, a, a lot of a lot of divided reaction to it. And and I agree with you, Sam. Kind of like on its face, there's nothing objectional uh, objectionable in it, at least in my opinion. Until you look one layer deeper, so that's kind of what mm. we wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about. Uh, the video itself, and then some of the resources that he recommends. So um, the, the essence of the video is Paul Tripp saying that, you know, we as the Church of Jesus Christ, we need to call out sin and injustice where we see it. Um, he includes a quote from Charles Spurgeon in there, and he says that um, the white church in America... Um, has been blind to some very serious issues of systemic racism and systemic injustice. And we need to educate ourselves, we need to become more aware of this issue, and and here's what we need to do about it. And so he kind of at the end of his video, um, he kind of prescribes four things. He's like, if you want to get more educated on this, do this. Go on, just go on Google. And Google um, the Bible and justice and read through the scriptures in the Bible that talk about justice. That's step one. Step two, he says, watch this Phil Vischer video. Phil Vischer, the creator of VeggieTales, he, he um, did a viral video. It's on YouTube about um, systemic racism in this country. It's about a 10 minute video. And then he's the creator three, of VeggieTales.
1: I already don't trust
0: the guy. <laughs> the creator of the the moralistic uh yes veg- yeah. vegetables historically <laughs> accurate depictions of uh, bible stories yeah yeah and and then step three was um uh pick up woke church and read the the book woke church and step four was um get the book uh was it compromise um whoa, shoot someone help me with this i um,
2: can't remember it, it, it i think it looked like the big, the book was basically about the history of the church uh during being, the time being of, complicit in racism yeah,
0: yeah yep and i i can't remember the name of the book but i will link to it uh, in the, the, show notes. the color of compromise the color of That's compromise by there jamar tisby mm-hmm. yep and i it's ironic because in a facebook debate i had a uh a an, an atheist marxist uh college professor recommend that same book to me so um interesting but um we'll leave that and let it lie for a minute so let's let's talk about the 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 video itself what what was your reaction to it i guess sam why don't we start with you you kind of said you watched it kind of thought hey you know this all seems on the up and up right
1: yeah um i mean there wasn't any it's like yeah absolutely there's injustices and and christians should always be on the Mm -hmm. side of justice I, i don't think that's I don't think any Christian would debate that. I think Mm -hmm. what happens right now is people come out and they say things like this, and they're missing something. There's something that they're missing that they're not addressing. Um, One, I know plenty of churches that have been talking about this for a very long time, and the culture has ramped up this narrative that is very godless, and we have to be able to equip the church to discern between the godless mm-hmm. cultural movement and the yep. Christ-like movement that should be within the church. And mm-hmm. you can't just adopt the culture's narrative because it is godless. You can't. You have to transform it and you have to view it through the lens of scripture. I think that's what's missed a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there are issues in the church with racism divide, cultural divides and issues between churches of, different colors or different cultures or different ethnicities and we've talked about that before on this podcast but um i don't know i mean he said a lot of good things but he didn't really say anything at the same time
2: yeah that that was my impression as well that he kind of took the the easy road of generic platitudes where you are you're saying things generally that you can't disagree with like like sam said yes yes Right. We, are, we should be for justice. We should listen to the stories of other people. We should see the, the, the uh, equation that he kind of threw out there was you can't have change without action. You can't have action without com- compassion and you can't have compassion without information. Yeah, I would agree with that too, right? As, as, a, as an equation. Um, mm-hmm. But in this context, like Sam said, because there is the presence of a very godless philosophy that is very prominent and and also has cleverly taken the key terms and redefined them, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. cannot just throw those key terms out there and say, we're for that yep. without mm, yeah. clarifying saying,
1: but we don't mean this. because you know, it, right. And the culture is hijacking the... Right. We're against this. And even not even saying we don't agree with it. It's like, we're not just, let's we'll take this little chunk out of what's going on right now and just, mm-hmm. we are completely against that. It right. has nothing to do... With what we so own.
0: let me ask you this question then guys why do you think he left that out and could it be that he's not against that stuff Th- I think that's the suspicion right
2: I don't want to assume Can't read too much into it because that that's the that's the the main sin that's going on in our culture right now is assumptions um, <laughs> so I don't want to hear those general terms and assume that he means critical race theory and social justice and all these things. If it weren't for his recommendations, Yes. I would be more charitable, but even with his recommendations and because the author of the book that he recommended happens to be his pastor, um, Mm. I would say, okay, because even, even with that book, he did include some caveats of you might not agree with everything in it, uh, blah, blah, blah. So, I'm not going to stand here and say that that Paul Tripp is a heretic or has denied the
3: gospel.
2: <laughs> I think, I, I think I, I'm with you, you <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you there. I'll be.
0: I was just I, kidding earlier when I said I'm praying for salvation. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I think that much of maybe maybe much of what he's leaving out is because of his experience and his surroundings right now. Right. Um, you know, he's. He's attending Mason's church. He's in a predominantly black church, which I think is great. And I think probably all of us, all of us should probably do more to uh, do more. Gosh, I hate that. Um, (laughs) Should probably, you know, that should be a good thing. Like you want, you want a a diversity in your church and unity at the same time. Yeah. So I think a lot of what he may be left out is, is colored by his experience and, Hmm and the people he's around and what he's hearing, which, which I think it's good. And it's, I think it's honorable of him to listen and to empathize in, in ways that Mm -hmm. he has, um, which is also sorely needed in the church. Um, so I think you can probably attribute it more to, you know, who he's been around and who he's been listening to. Not that that's a bad thing to what he's leaving out. Um, not out of malice or spite or anything like that. Yeah. Hmm. And being in that church,
2: in that context i'm sure he felt like i be, because of especially because of my current setting and context i need to say something about this
3: mm.
2: you know and mm-hmm. i don't want to say something that ruffles too many feathers you know yeah. among the people that i'm currently serving and, and living among you know for mm. you know for good or or bad you know that's yeah i'm sure that influenced that too
0: yeah I, so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll list the stuff that kind of stuck out to me as I watched it. I watched it a couple times because I wanted to make sure I had this right. I think the the first kind of red flag that stuck out to me was something that you touched on, Aaron, was that he doesn't define his terms, uh, particularly the word justice, mm-hmm. which is like the, the linchpin of this whole thing. Yes, the Bible mm-hmm. has a lot to say about justice, but he never defines what that means. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how... Eric Mason defines justice in uh, woke church, there are a lot, a lot of issues there, which we'll get into kind of in our next section of the podcast when we talk about woke church. But the, the worlds uh, that, you know, the cultural movement with, with critical race theory and, and social justice, so much of that is not justice at all, not biblical justice. It's actually a perversion of justice. And so we can't just use the word justice and assume that, we're talking about biblical justice here. And so the fact that he didn't define that kind of bothers me because there's so much of that going on now where, you know, Scott Adams calls it word think, where we let the words do the thinking for us. We assume that they that people are talking about the traditional definitions, and and what they're really talking about is is some new radical revolutionary Mm -hmm. definition they've applied to it. That goes. I mean, they've changed the
1: definition of racism Mm -hmm. in the past few months. Like it's completely different than what it was Mm -hmm. a couple years ago.
0: Yep, exactly. And Merriam-Webster is following suit. They, they've announced mm-hmm. that in the next few weeks, they're going to be changing it in the dictionary, the definition wow. for racism. Are you serious? Yes. Dude, this is yes. 1984 it's stuff. 1984, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so that was my first. The, the the fact that he doesn't define justice bothered me. And the, the second thing was um, he talks about calling out sin and he calls out whataboutism. So he's like every time I I talk about this issue, people say things like what about abortion? What about this? What about that? And he's like, you know, it's our job to call out all these things. Okay, I agree with that. Um it's our job to, you know, call out all sin in the church. Sin is sin. Where I where he loses me though is kind of his his inference there that that there is a a sin issue here in the church that our our systems are sinful or our our lack of activism against the systems are is sinful i mean he says that he's he's he introduces the video by saying he's about to call out sin so what sin is he calling out exactly mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. That's a good and he says i'm about to call out sin here and then he goes at, goes on to call out inequality income inequality um systemic racism and things like that so he kind of makes this shift without really explaining why he, how he got there. You know what I mean? What, what exactly is the sin issue here? You know, it was very kind of a deft move. I'm not saying it was like by design meant to be devious or anything, but just something that stuck out to me. And then the, the third thing was where he talked about how you can't listen to someone relate their experiences and then use your own experiences to paint their experiences. Um in other words, like your and relaying that back to the whole, you know, woke intersectionality critical race theory thing, that's that's classic standpoint epistemology. You know, the idea that right. um your source of truth is not necessarily the words of scripture, the Holy Spirit, logic and reason you have to add this idea of, like, experiences and, and someone else's truth. You know, someone who is, is living their truth or who has had their own unique experiences that you can't relate to might have this special hidden truth that you could never find on your own because you have a white right. experience in a Western right. culture and there's a blindness there. And, and that, that standpoint epistemology, I think, is another mm. thing that's a, a, a really big issue with and this again it's not
2: because he specifically says that but he's right. he is he's taking a general principle that is correct you cannot color someone else's experience with your own but in the context in climate you have to be careful about using those terms without clarifying because uh-huh. in the context it's saying the tendency in the culture now is saying it limits your options to only their experience or your experience and it actually removes the possibility of any objective truth right any truth outside yourself and uh and objective truth is racist as well and uh you know yeah yeah. right? right so that's again it's not something that he said you know explicitly it's would you say opening
0: the door Allowing that's what, that way of thought to creep in—that's what creeps me out about it. It's like I, you know, I know. It's I mean, so he, subtle. He goes to mm. Eric, Eric yeah. Mason's church. He knows, you know, woke church, which we'll get into. Is I mean, it is critical race theory, classic to a T, very explicit about it, um, and it's and it very racially divisive. I mean, if he's read that book, he knows. And so, part of me feels like this is almost like you know that people aren't going to accept this for what it is. So you're going to kind of use that gentle kind of unassailable um, mm-hmm. language to kind of slowly usher people in. And I like—I feel like Obama did the same thing, you know, I, like not trying to like bring this back to politics, but he Thanks was a Obama. great orator. <laughs> <Thanks laughs> Obama. <laughs> you know, he was a right. great orator and he had a way of, of selling a radical leftist agenda, but pursing it in kind of this this language that like no one can disagree with that, you know, yeah, like right. he would he would uh, create a moral narrative to it, and and uh, he wouldn't exactly spell out that like this is our policy and this is what we're gonna do. He would kind of just gently like you in a little bit mm-hmm. at a time. It's like the 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 frog sitting in the boiling water as it slowly. Um, you know, gaining temperature. You kind of like, and then I feel like so many people, before they know it, they're they're they've swallowed this whole yeah. thing. Or
2: another extreme, yeah. more extreme example would be, you know, if, if if two Mormons knock on your door, you know, how do they introduce themselves? I'm Elder So and So, and we are here to share the good news about Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. They're using the term Jesus Christ, and we yeah. want to show you how how you can come to know Him, yeah, and, and all these. These definitions or these terms that that a Christian would would yep. hold to as well. But if if you're going to be wise and discerning, you're not just going to leave it at those general statements. You're going to say, "Who do, yeah. who is Jesus Christ? Well, you know, what yeah. is the plan of salvation? Give me specifics." Right.
0: Yeah, they're not going to show up at your door and say, "Like, hey, we'd like to tell you how you can have twelve wives on a planet of right. your own someday." <laughs> right. They don't. They don't lead with that, you know.
2: And it's not unloving or or narrow-minded uh. to compel someone right. to be more specific and clarify. what do you mean by those definitions right mm-hmm. right and i think and that's that's the pushback it's like well can't you just shut up and, and listen and and right um and not push back so much it's like well, and yeah. and there's the
1: a there's a sense where um someone's experience um, negates any sort of t- statistics or truth or or whatever well, it's untouchable right uh-huh. and so if you know, if someone says, "Well, this is my experience," that that trumps. And I think, yeah, in the moment, it would it would trump any statistic. I mean, if you're dealing with a hurting person, you're not just going to be like, "Well, I don't know about that." Statistic wise, it's pretty rare. You know, I mean, rare. you don't yep. you don't say that, you don't bring that up in the moment. But, um, yep. and and then also uh, another thing that kind of just it takes me off about all this is the gospel is better. Mm. It is <laughs> so <laughs> much uh-huh. better than. Yeah. All of this muddy, mumbo-jumbo, like, stuff. Yeah. It, it is so much better. And I wish we would just stick to it. And I yeah. know that that's one of this, like, me saying that puts me in the one of those bad categories in that book, I think. Well, yeah, that's um,
0: they, they call that out, too. They say, you know, there is yeah. this group of people that say, you know, just we stick just with pre- the gospel. Stick with the gospel. Just preach the gospel. And then they kind of straw man you and say, like, yeah. you know, well... Um, you fight abortion don 't you um, you know would you would you say to someone who 's fighting abortion, just, just stick with the gospel no you know right Which- and the the assumption is that people that disagree with you are
1: uninformed mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's or, or they 're blind blind and, yeah. yeah and that 's dangerous because we dis- like we disagree we might disagree on I, yeah. like i can I would never invalidate anyone 's personal experience anything that has ever happened to anybody that it, i know there's there are tons of people there are, thousands of people in this country who have been wrongfully imprisoned um Mm -hmm. that have been chosen just for their skin color because someone said oh a black man raped me and so they just go find some random black person i know i know that that's happened before and you know i would never say that that's a good thing i would never say that that should continue in this country and i don't think anybody is saying that that should continue in this country yeah you know we disagree with with some facts and we kind of disagree with maybe the systems and 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 how bad some things are and and even on the solutions like mm-hmm. i don't think like i think one of the big problems is the democratic party and a lot of those policies of welfare and mm-hmm. and how that has kept this underclass as an underclass and um i disagree on the solutions but that doesn't mean i'm blind That doesn't mean we can't fellowship. That doesn't mean we can't agree on the fact that injustice is injustice.
0: And that's why I wish, like, why couldn't we just be honest about this? Why couldn't Christians just come out and say, hey, I believe we need to help, you know, these underprivileged, you know, minorities, and these are my solutions that I feel like we need to employ. And another Christian could say, I feel like these are the solutions that we feel like we should employ. But instead, they kind of purse it as like, if you don't s- accept this solution, this mm-hmm. proposed progressive right. leftist solution, you are, that you're not preaching the full mm-hmm. gospel, which is what's so insidious about it. And I, I know we need to move on, but the last red kind of little red flag in that video for me was well there's i have two more sorry i gotta run through them quick the first one he mentioned 1619 so i was like oh you he listened did? to 1619 i saw project. that he
2: did yeah, <laughs> yeah i remember that too <laughs> oh. i rewound like, it
0: because i thought he said it well but. i
2: think he mentions like ever since 1619 right he didn't <laughs> yep. mention the project he mentioned the no but i like i that was but like but that
1: my, was
0: not in our language the dog whistle. before yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. wasn't
1: even in our language before it wasn't in our lexicon yeah. the whole thing yeah, yeah. so but
0: i have you listened to 1619 no.
1: It's it is I started I couldn't I couldn't finish. It, it was is, difficult to, to
0: listen to especially for someone like me who's studied a lot about that subject in that time in history just myself for the podcast and for other things I've written. It's so infuriating to listen to. It's so incompetently done. I, I, yeah. I it was I I couldn't believe I actually expected it to be better than it was based off of what a a right. a uh, big cultural, you know, uh, thing that it was, a big phenomenon that it was. I expected it to be better than it was. It was atrociously dishonest, disingenuous, <clears throat> and it, it spins a great narrative, but there's this trick that you can do where you can, you can be completely truthful and give completely accurate facts, but if you select just a certain a number of yep. facts and string them together in just the right way, you can tell a narrative that is completely different than the whole truth. Yep. And Phil Vischer in that video that that uh, Paul Tripp recommends, which he it's a it's a very well done and effective video. Phil Vischer is an incredibly gifted um, storyteller, but Phil Di- Vischer does the exact same thing where he, he cherry picks completely true things that actually happened that were wrong and horrible, strings them together to form a narrative, but he leaves out so, so much. And it, it gets you, you know, it kind of steers you into this kind of this one conclusion that they want you to get to. And so mm. uh, that, that was the one. And then my last one was Paul Tripp towards the end of the video, and I was waiting for this. I knew it was going to happen because every video like this has had something similar. He goes something like this. He says, I love the Church of Christ. I love God's people, I love God's Word, I love the Gospel, but I was waiting for that, but I knew it was coming, and that's what they always say. I love the gospel, I love God's word, but here's some more things that we need to to learn and to add mm. to our mm. um, Interesting. to our knowledge you know to our our understanding of the gospel. So, I'm not saying that that's completely Ill- illegitimate, you know I think that there's always. A chance that you know Christians, the Christian Church, might have a blind spot where the need to be needs to be um, looked at. But it's interesting that that's always a common thread mm. uh, with these these folks that that make these sorts of statements. It's always kind of like a caveat, like, "Hey, I love the gospel," but, but instead of it being, "I love the gospel," so mm. right, yeah. yeah. And they're probably, you know, I'm sure they're probably going to catch on to that and adjust their language accordingly. <laughs> but um the thing honestly that bothered me most of the whole video
2: is how many times he adjusted his glasses (laughs) those glasses are very stylish every single time he did it all i heard was i'm smarter than you that's all i heard (laughs) well did i tell you what my wife said (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) so i told my wife about this after the video first came out and um i said i you know i'm so heartbroken kel i you know i I loved, I've always loved Paul Tripp and his books, and and uh, I just feel so terrible about this. And she looked at me and she said, I never liked him, Joel. I never liked him. I said, <laughs> why? Like, what? Do you, that's terrible. Why would you say that? How'd you? How, what do you mean he never liked him? And she's like, it's the way he dresses. He, he dresses too hip. And she's like, you can't trust anyone who tries that hard to look that cool all the time. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, get, like, get petty and get down on... And you were... At
2: that moment, you were really thankful for your dad jeans (laughs) and flannel shirt, right? Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Well, I think
0: she was probably more uh, trying to compliment me in a roundabout way than... then get on i thought that was a. that's right I that was a insightful you're thing the to say. opposite of that Joel. You, put, you never you put no to effort cool. towards your style you. <laughs> <laughs> i love that you don't
1: look stylish at all
0: <laughs> if i had the time and money i i would probably look just like paul david Tripp. i I'd, I'd yeah i I'd, I'd try too hard hmm. yeah anyway he's got a nice mustache he does. He's, he's does. got the he he's got the mustache. That's where his authority always came from for me. From his mustache. mustache. Yeah. The mustache always yeah. gave him that extra level of kind very of yeah, <laughs> very selky. Yeah, very selky. Anyway, so um so yeah, any any more thoughts on the video guys? Like what do you is we're that, getting. In, we're going to be getting. I bet you, Paul David of of Tripp drinks
1: right? Princess Yum Yum.
0: <laughs> Sam, <laughs> just make a meme and throw that
2: out there. Paul David Tripp drinks <laughs> Princess, Princess, Yum, Princess Yum, Yum Yum. Yum Yum tells you all you need
1: to know. <laughs> it's, enough said. That's right. <laughs> I, I wake up, sheeple. <laughs> sheeple. I think it's good to zoom out and view the church as a whole and. This is what churches do, man. They, yeah. they chase airy doctrines mm-hmm. left and right. This is what they, this is what we do. I think um, it's, it's
2: just it just pastors cannot get away with just the general phrases and and sayings nah. to make them seem like they're in it and with it and all these things. You can't just stand up and say, "Let's be people of justice." Let's stand together. Right. Let's. Unify. That's all good. You have like, to clarify. Show me some. Like, dis- help me discern. Help me know the truth. Right. You know, they, like,
1: yeah. I I don't think they're they're seeing entirely the the war on words and yeah. on um, control and on d- domination that is being waged mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. this language. It, this mm-hmm. language is being used to browbeat people into submission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to recognize that. You have to recognize that, even if, mm-hmm. even if the, the people who are using it or uh, have been traditionally, um, oppressed in this country, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't matter. Two injustices don't make a justice. Right. Um, and
0: you have to call that out. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's so true. I, um, you know, the other thing too, I, um, I wonder if, you know, these, these pastors, um, do they, do they buy sneakers that were made in China? <laughs> um, cause I mean, they're, they're loading political prisoners in the cattle cars over there and sending them yeah. to the concentration camps. I mean, yeah, that. Nice, how do you feel about the, your, your shoes that were made by slaves so that you can pay my only a hundred bucks for them, you know? Right. Well, if it's um, not
2: on, if it's not on the front page, we don't have to worry about it. That's, that's kind of the, we
0: don't have to speak on it as pastors if it's not being, uh, mm-hmm. if it's not talked about in the New York times, uh, then, don't bother. But like, I know I'm engaging in whataboutism here, but I, right. there is that element to where, you know, pastors, um, it's it's much easier to, to jump on the bandwagon of the fashionable causes right. than it is to engage in the, the unfashionable causes. Right. Um, and, li- and like I think we've said before, um, that's not bravery. I don't see any bravery. Mm, no.
1: I don't see you putting anything at risk. I don't. So, mm. if you're not putting anything at risk, I don't have a lot of respect i have respect i mean obviously we say things all the time that don't put it
0: put us at risk but that's all you say mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah yeah so you guys want to move on to woke church a little bit maybe woke church talk a little bit about white fragility because i know you aaron you looked up some stuff on that that mm-hmm. was i, I thought was i have good.
1: not read either of those so I will, <laughs> that's okay i'll so just insert some you can just be the the peanut gallery, gallery there we go yeah, I'll just challenge <laughs> well, I will say, everything
0: so, you say.
2: Sa- Samuel uh, s- sent us a, a review that he found uh, by, was it Neil Shenvey? Um I was yeah, shocked by that. That was Bro, actually good. That was a good Really good. Um, this guy, review.
1: totally random that I found him. He's yeah. a, a theoretical uh, quantum physicist. Mm-hmm. He went to Princeton and Berkeley and then he became a Christian. Hmm. And he has this whole website dedicated to theological and he had talks a lot about critical race theory actually and i haven't been able to dive into that but i mean he's a so, clearly a Sam, wildly he's, the, smart guy. he's
0: the guy whose podcast uh, inspired our first discussion of this remember mm, really? when i wrote down the like the six elements of critical race theory that all came from neil
1: hmm. no way
0: yeah yeah, yeah i didn't yeah, know yeah. that so, so I, I, i'll he's, limit he's my discussion
2: on, on on woke church to the quotes that he mm. actually gives from the book you know i, I think it's it's uh dangerous to form your opinion on a book by the reviews of others but in the in the article he does give a lot of direct quotes from the book itself Hmm. so Um,
0: so can i start with just kind of introducing um this this pastor here um yeah yeah and i don't know much about him honestly so i i just kind of took a little crash course um you know, just today, so I'm no expert either. But, you know, Eric Mason, um, you know, he's the founder and lead pastor of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's where Paul David Tripp attends. He's been attending there for a few years. I just kind of today, I went down a kind of a little bit of a a rabbit hole with watching YouTube videos of him and interviews. And I I pulled out a few things, and I was really kind of disturbed by... Maybe it was just the videos that I saw. Um, he came across as, as extremely um, extremely unkind and arrogant to me. Um, and that might just be my white fragility talking, I know. <laughs> um, but um, in one interview, they asked him, what do you think is the greatest threat to racial unity? And he responded, he said, white fragility is the greatest threat in our country to, to racial wow. unity. And um, he and and the interviewer said, "Well, what about black people? What's what's holding black people back from racial unity?" And he said, uh, "Battle fatigue. Black people are um, they are in danger of growing tired of fighting for their equality, and um, and so white fragility and black battle fatigue. Those are the two greatest threats to racial unity in our country." Um, he also said um, that. Um, we need to um tear down white jesus um the the white jesus that western christianity has constructed has um has put down uh, the black man and delegitimized him and and told the black man that that your that you have no place in christianity and so we need to tear down white jesus and then the other thing he he talked about was he just talked about his model for you know a church in the community and he said your church um, should know the top three needs in your community. If you don't know what the top three needs in your community are, then you're failing as a church, and your community should know exactly what your church is about and what you're doing. And um, he said, if, um, if your people aren't on board, if they don't know um, you know if they 're not social media savvy and they 're not um you know they don 't have a good understanding of of racial dynamics i don 't care how long they 've been serving old faithful people in the church you just like get them out and replace them it 's like you, you just say i 'm sorry nice. sister, i know you 're a faithful servant blah 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 here 's your flowers get out we need to replace you with people who um know what 's going on and just kind of like that added like just that very um you know he 's a driven person he's he 's on a mission right mm-hmm. so uh, not saying that's the right impression of him. I I I need to give him some more time, maybe, because I know Paul David Tripp speaks the world of him. You know, calls him yeah. a, an incredible gospel preacher. Has preached some of the best sermons he's ever heard in his life. Okay, I'm not going to necessarily say that's not true. I just he just from what I saw was was a little concerning. So he wrote this book, Woke Church. I um, have you guys heard of Rosaria Butterfield? Oh yeah. Okay. So, Rosaria Butterfield, she was a former um, college professor in the 90s. She was uh, a a lesbian activist, and she was um, a part of kind of the formation of all this stuff. And in, in the speech that I listened to, she's like, I helped to create this world, this messed up critical race theory world. And then she went to excoriate this book, Woke Church. She's like, the word woke is borrowed from black nationalism, Um, It is a completely, you know, racist movement, and she, like, coming from the inside, she's, I think she's a little more sharp in her criticism of woke church than I think a lot of other people are going to be, because she knows the the theory and the thinking behind it in and out. Anyway, Hmm. so that's kind of the best, like, from what I could gather on Eric Mason, I know it's, like, overwhelmingly negative, so, you know... Forgive me if I'm not being fair and uh, to the listeners. If if you know more about this guy than I do and you want to contribute, please write me in and and send me some stuff. But um, so he wrote this book, Woke Church. Paul Tripp endorsed it. Aaron, do you kind of want to go over some of the impressions from uh from Neil's review of it? Um, I can. Well, I I appreciate how
2: he approached, and you should link this uh, review in the in the show notes. I will. Um, you know, he, he, he starts off by talking about the good things. And he did say in, in one of his first pros, his, uh, Mason's, uh, book is undeniably rooted in a Christian worldview, um, that he does talk about, uh, what the gospel is clearly, um, despite some confusing things later on, the biggest, the huge red flag which which Neil describes as a few exegetical slips, I saw as like massive. Mm-hmm. Um, one would be him hijacking Second Corinthians five eighteen, saying that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and taking that term reconciliation and appropriating it to the idea of reconciling man to man, you know, group to group. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, that verse is saying the reconciliation of man to God. Which is the ultimate solution? That that is what is going to to cure mankind. And the way Neil describes it is, um, we need to be careful not to allow our desired application to influence our interpretation interpretation of the text meaning. I thought that was really good Mm. and helpful. Mm. Um, And how he does, how Mason does the same thing with justification. I mean, Mm -hmm. the the cornerstone of the Reformation. Um, and, and infusing almost a Catholic idea of justification being both a position and a practice. Um, and, and that actually being a foundation for his argument regarding how Christians should approach justice. It's rooted in his mm. doctrine mm. of justification. And being he, a practice, you mean? You're right. And he actually transforms the meaning of justification to fit what he's trying to say in any pastor, I don't care what what race or, uh, I don't like using the term race. What ethnicity um you are if you're doing that regularly, not by mistake, mm-hmm. you don't you don't belong in the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Um so those were huge for me. And then that that there's a Venn diagram that he's including in there um that kind of overviews his idea what he's trying to go across, and there's some something that Sam mentioned to mentioned earlier that he seems to mistake disagreement with blindness mm. um, that if you disagree about the idea of current systemic racism, you're actually blind. you That's haven't classic you haven't reached classic. the full orbed wokeness um, yeah. and uh, so based on that review, again, I haven't read the book. Uh, but based on that review, it's not good.
0: It's not uh, yeah. very concerning. Yeah. So, um, there's a guy, there's another guy <clears throat> I'm going to recommend, and his name is John Harris. John Harris, who did a kind of a very extensive uh, hour and 30 minute uh, review of the book, which I'll I'll link and, and recommend if you want to check that out. Um, but I took some notes from it, uh, which I'll kind of go through, and the, the first issue Um, was the, of course, the redefining of the word justice. So that's one Mm -hmm. of the the key uh, things of the book. Uh, Eric Mason talks about three different types of justice. There's intervening justice, there's preventative justice, and then the big one, number three, which is systemic justice. And the, you know, John who reviewed it, basically his big problem with that third definition was there was nothing biblical about it. It was completely and entirely lifted Cut, copy, paste from you know from Marxism, critical race. Theory. You know, I hate to use the word Marxism because it's such a like a hot button, but it's it's copied from that that lens of thinking that that um, that came from the universities. Another thing, so he introduces a, a section of his book by talking about Christians who in- ignore injustice, and he's like Christians who ignore injustice injustice don't really have the characteristics of being a Christian. You know, kind of the implication, if you ignore injustice, you're not really showing much evidence of being saved. And then he goes and he outlines four or five things. These are different ways that Christians ignore injustice. Okay? So I'm going to list them for you here. Just give your reaction to these. Um, So the first way that the Christian church ignores injustice is... The first one is perpetuating stereotypes. From an interview, uh, he talks about how people believing that the that black men are immersed in um, womanizing and pimp culture. That's a stereotype. That's not true. That's a lie about black men. That um, another lie. He says another stereotype that is harmful is the idea. the idea that uh, black preachers um, ha- most black churches have real big problems with theology, that most of them preach the prosperity gospel. And, um, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I, you know, I haven't seen any studies, but he says that that's a big stereotype of black churches. I can say that just in my search for trying to, you know, I, I reached out to some friends, hey, you guys know any solid theologically black churches in Toledo? None of my friends, a couple of whom are very, um, tuned in to the church scene here, they couldn't give me any. The second thing that Christians do to ignore injustice, which, again, he says is evidence that you're not showing many characteristics of being a Christian, is by promoting colorblindness. Promoting colorblindness, he says, denies Christ's power to heal racial divisions. Mm. You know Mm. what? (laughs) That's... Hmm? Um, I, my, you know, my reading of the scripture tells me that Christ's power to heal racial divisions is what gives you colorblindness. You know, you got, we, we look at man, not depending on on what, depending on on
2: how you define the term. Right.
0: Yeah. What's That's true? What's, what is colorblindness? Can we
1: talk about what that is? Because yeah. <laughs> everyone uh, now it's bad. Now, now right. being colorblind it's the is the idea of I don't racist. see color. What is right. With that, basically, I don't yeah. see color. Yeah.
2: And and the negative side of it is that you're not seeing my ex- you're not seeing my experience. You're not. Um,
1: yes.
0: Uh,
2: yeah. You're not. Uh, okay. Okay. Wait. Acknowledging the, my culture, my background, my experience when you. But, right. deny the, there's a few things. Uh,
1: there's a few things that. Um, not every black person has the same experience, right? And, and and two sentences before he told us not to stereotype. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to? <laughs> are we supposed to look at every black person and say, "Oh, they have this experience" and stereotype them every single time we see them? Or mm-hmm. should we treat them as a human being and it's fighting racism not make assumptions racism. before we that. learn about mm-hmm. what their experience is? Right. What what how this is a lose lose. Mm-hmm. We we can't like. Yep. So you're not a Christian, Sam. You're not showing evidence. (laughs) What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to not stereotype,
0: and then I'm supposed to stereotype. You're white, so you can't do much. (laughs) Man, yeah. So, so that's the second one. The third one is, you know, I kind of agree with this one. Uh, Christians can ignore injustice by ignoring the needs of the community, and that's where he says Mm -hmm. every church should know the top three needs of their community. Which, you know, his church actually sent out a survey, like, what do you see as what this community needs? Which, okay, I. As Christians, we, we at least know the top need, okay? We know number <laughs> you get one. question number one, right? <laughs> Being saved. And, you know, I just... Spreading the gospel. I, I, I appreciate wanting to be engaged in the community and meet what the physical needs are yeah. there. But, but this idea that, you know, the community needs to be telling the church what it needs, and that's where we, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a little off. Anyway, yeah. um, the fourth way... Um, is by not participating in activism. Hmm. And his, pr- his big beef with the church is that the church should have been the ones to start the Black Lives Matter movement. And because the church hmm. failed to, to provide dignity to black lives, that movement was taken over by, you know, the left or this other movement. I've heard that, that before. I've with. heard that, like, the only reason the culture... And
1: the country is doing this right now is because the church has failed, and I, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know.
2: There's some you can have an element of truth in that. You know, I wouldn't sure. deny the fact that, especially, you know, when slavery and Jim Crow uh, was still a thing, and so many churches were very much uh, okay with it. <laughs> you know that that is a that's a this huge horrible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you say that um, being actively involved in activism as a church, that's implying that's part of your mission, social activism. And um, also the
0: implication being that that is what gives black people dignity. Mm. Like you, you need to, you, you, you know, black people need to be given dignity by this political movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We we know that our dignity comes from something else. You know, God created right. man in his image, male and female. He created them. Mm-hmm. And um, where is this idea that dignity um, is, a, is provided, is gifted by other people involved in political movements? Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah.
2: Okay. I, not, and, not that we shouldn't be aware of and even invest in... Um, political policies that um, provide
0: equality Absolutely. and
2: justice for more people. Yeah. Right? Sure. Um, I don't think we can sound like a cop-out by just saying, well, you know, I mean...
0: I would argue that Christians that who anyway. have been trying to end the the uh, overblown welfare state have been doing that. They've been doing it sure. from the right with with right-leaning policies, but you know to say that because christians haven't been involved in leftist activism right that they haven't been involved in advocating for the needs of the poor and that they they i, I would argue that churches gospel preaching churches have been doing that this whole time they just haven't been doing it right. through this leftist paradigm you know and, and that's what his argument is and you look back at the history of you know if we're really going to divide cultures
1: the history of white christians in this church you have the underground railroad you know you have all of these movements you have you have shedding our
0: blood to to fight for the to end slavery in the civil war slavery Um, was ended in this country by christians it really was it was harriet beecher stowe with her book i mean she she changed the culture turned people's hearts and minds against slavery and and you're exactly right right. it's um christians have been involved in this this quest for justice um since the very beginning since, yeah. and, since, and the, since we started rescuing Roman babies from alleyways as they were being thrown out, we've been doing right. this. Um, so, woke church bad. <laughs> well, yeah, so there's um, there's a few other red flags that kind of came out. The, Eric Mason says that my legitimate pride in my black race was not provided to me by my study of Christian theology as I grew up. Basically saying that traditional Western Christian theology... Mm-hmm. Does not instill enough pride in blackness. What if I said um, that about my white race? What if I said, "Yeah, is that different?" It's different because you're privileged. Your majority you're, culture, so whiteness is the is the water you swim in, right? That's what right, they say. Right. So you know you you don't have to have pride in your race because it's just all around you. It's it's uh, you know you're not an outcast, mm. right? And and this. I just don't. I can't imagine. This is just like this racial fixation. I can't imagine living like that. No, I, I think that's the sickness here. You know that I, I think
2: being. I I can imagine if I were raised as a minority yeah. in a culture where that my or my minority um, was historically oppressed and mm-hmm. enslaved relative in that in that racism was relatively recent a couple generations removed maybe yeah um i would definitely tend toward rallying around my minority group and having pride absolutely um in in our group um in how we've overcome and and how we've persisted and all those things Yeah. yeah so i i don't want to just flip that away as being Oh, how could they even think that way? I actually can understand why yeah. that would be the case. the The problem I have is: should we look for that affirmation in the Bible? Do we? Do we? Mm. Why do we? Do we need the Scripture to affirm our pride in our group? Mm. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about um redeeming all humanity you know through Jesus Christ and unifying them in one body hmm. you know in spite of racial you know or ethnic ethnic differences right
1: and there's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with feeling a part of a community or right. culture it's natural Being to pra- humans you know, like I have this weird pride for being raised in Finley, Ohio. Like, it's a weird, like, (laughs) white trash conservative town that, uh, you know, it's, like, weird and dumb. But, like, yeah, I'm from Finley, Ohio. I'm a Buckeye fan, you know. Like,
2: you know, here in Detroit, right, you see that just as a city. Not necessarily a racial thing, but a city thing. Detroit versus everybody. Everyone's against us. So, we have Detroit versus everybody. Right. You got a chip on your shoulder. Because everyone's against you, you form this pride and this identity
1: Hmm.
0: uh in the midst of that so Hmm. right um i so there's a there was a great uh in rosaria butterfield's talk which i will also link to because it's excellent she talked about how she's out of the academic scene now but she's still very tapped into what's going on there and um she's talking about how parents are coming to her and saying things like um you know she she said it used to be in the 90s parents would come to her and say you know my my child came out as gay. What do I do? She's, mm-hmm. And she said, now it's, it's different. Now it is my child uh, was made to sit in the back of a sociology class and wear a bandana over his mouth because he's a white male. And he was, he was told that he has to remain in the back of the class. All the white males have to remain in the back of the class with a bandana over their face until until... They either identify as bisexual or identify as a as a cisgender white male, and they have to affirm that they are cisgender white males, which means I you're straight white male. I I can't and believe that. What? What? <laughs> she she said that that well because this this idea this you know this um this wokeism is I mean it's very it's it's the religion of the university now she calls it and um and so there's a sense where you have to you know you're trying to swing back the 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 fulcrum of, of power towards you know the the disadvantaged, and so by in order to do that, you have to kick mm-hmm. down the the oppressors, and so she says. That, but my point in all this is the effect that that's having. She's like, half of these these young boys are just kind of succumbing to it because they want to go with the flow and they they kind of become woke themselves. And she's like, but the other half of them are going over to the alt right, becoming white nationalists, mm. right? And mm-hmm. so there is that sense to where um you know if if white people were oppressed i can picture a world where we would have the same racial feelings um that that's like the natural like you were saying that's like the natural reaction when you're when you're treated like that you kind of want to band mm-hmm. together and um and that's and- that's actually interesting and i don't i do not want to
1: compare i hate comparing anything to nazis but i mean you have post world war 1 everyone was, everything was laid on Germany. You mm-hmm. had massive debt, you had massive reparations. I mean, Germany was basically locked out of possibly, ever possibly becoming a, a, a notable country ever again. They're, yeah, they they're, were
0: they're, horrifically humiliated. Yep, yep. Absolutely,
1: and, in every single way, because yep. they lost. And yep. you see rising from that, white nationalism and yep. Nazism. Hmm. and they they clung to Hitler because he said no we're better than everybody mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. actually and they're like yeah we are better than everybody yeah yeah we can yeah we're we're the best race there is and so they clung to that and you'll see that again if this yep. critical race stuff continues you'll see that again it's the, the pendulum
2: it's, is going to swing back and forth yeah there's there'll be an oppressed group and an oppressor group and the oppressed group will fight back push down the oppressors uh, which will then form a new oppressed group right. which will want to yep. rise up and to conquer the oppressed. And it just, it goes it's back wild. and forth. It's fighting fire with fire, racism with racism. Um,
0: the, it's crazy. Yeah. This was, this was uh, Rosaria Butterfield's criticism of, of uh, Woke Church. She said, it fosters an unbiblical view of identity. It fosters emotional immaturity and lack of perseverance, creating a, a fractured movement of victim-minded, angry, and inconsolable people. Mm-hmm. It fosters social division and disunity. It puffs up false teachers in the church who produce people looking for identity and grace in all the wrong places. Mm. And then she said, gospel identity and gospel citizenship are not found in the fickle heart of men's deep hurts. Wow. In, in contemplating Christ, there is a balm for every wound. She has a way with Dang. words, doesn't she? My goodness. Yeah.
1: You know that's it's... and that's when I believe women can be
0: pastors. Because... <laughs> 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 that's when I'm like, you know, there's room for Okay, it. I guess. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> One exception for Rosario. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's, it's so true. I mean it's it's the gospel is such a Overused buzzword now, and it's so misused now because people like to tack it onto things. But mm-hmm. the gospel is so dang simple, it's so dang simple, it'll be you know. Yeah. Um, you know, that people roll their eyes when they say, when people say, stick with the gospel, just you know, preach the gospel. Oh, yeah. But it is, like, it's... It it's worked is
1: for the past 2,000 years, so... The solution
0: you know. to all of this, including your concerns of racial disunity mm-hmm. and racial division and oppression and systemic uh, racism and injustice, all these concerns that you have, wh- however legitimate they may be, the <laughs> and, and, all and the and solutions are in Christ. <laughs> I think,
1: you know, what you said, Aaron, is people don't understand the gospel, and, and nobody is taking a look at it for what mm-hmm. it is, and, and even our listeners, even me, you know, it's easy to get pulled away by this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the gospel for what it is. Mm-hmm. Read the scripture. Mm-hmm. Look it over. Study. Look for truth. Look for the truth, and and that is the most, um, I think it's the most encouraging takeaway we can all br- take away from this, is that there is a truth because we live in a crazy, truthless, look. whatever Society just it's yeah. there. Go find Look it. Look
2: in the New Testament how the gospel unified and transformed local churches that were dealing with social divides, economic divides, racial divides, um, you know, people forming around different dynamic speakers and leaders and, mm. and the threats and divisions, and how the gospel was the thing that that unified them. And mm. it's like we see that and we're like, yeah, but Right, it's like but it's different now right it's, no, it's different not. now it's the same yeah it's the same, it's the
1: same thing yeah
2: yeah and it, I don't know if you want to, if it's time to switch gears or not but no to kind of maybe in my own heart be careful that I'm maintaining balance in this um, going back even to Paul Tripp's equation that he lays out in his video uh, change comes from action action comes from compassion compassion comes from information. So, information plus compassion plus action equals change. We've been talking a lot about that action component. What is the proper action? Mm-hmm. And there's an, there is a, a very insidious and an evil uh, solution that is being pushed that we are fighting against. And, and my sinful overreaction mm-hmm. to my disagreement to the action proposed is to also ignore the compassion and the information. All right. So, in other words, because I disagree with the action, I'm going to discount and not listen and, and learn. I'm not going to have compassion. I'm just going to brush it off and say, nah, it's not there, it's not real, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that's where I'm trying to balance in my own mind. It's, it's possible as Christians to be informed, to learn, to have compassion and care um, yep. for people that have a lot of horrible experiences and and, and backgrounds and all that, um, as long as I am doing that through the lens that properly sees and understands man's ultimate problem and God's ultimate solution mm-hmm. and that impacts and influences the action that I hmm. propose, right? So mm-hmm. that's why I actually, and I know you mentioned that it wasn't a complete picture, but I actually appreciated Paul Fisher's video. I'm sure there, there's more to the story, but it's actually, it's not a radical thing, you know, to say that racist segregational policies of the past have lasting and residual effects. Right. That oh, yeah. It, that it's right. like one domino yeah. hitting the next. And that's kind of what mm-hmm. his video was saying, just to kind of sum up. he He gives a summary at the end of all the stats and things, and he says, Mm -hmm. you know, the average black household has one-tenth of the wealth of the average of white household. It didn't happen by accident. It happened by policy. And again, there's more to that story. The majority culture told them where they could live and where they couldn't live. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's that's what happened. Then we moved most of the jobs to the places where we told them they couldn't live. When the predictable explosion of unemployment and poverty resulted in predictable increase in drug use and crime, we criminalized the problem we built $19 million, billion dollars of new jails and sold grenade launchers to the police. And as a result, a white boy born in America has a 1 in 23 chance of going to prison in his lifetime for a black boy. It's 1 in 4. And that's mm-hmm. why people are angry. And and I love how he ends the video, honestly. He says, I'm not yeah. here to tell you what the right solutions are because I don't know. I'm just here to ask you to do one thing, care. That actually, I, that that kind of impacted me that a lot of the things he was telling are things that... I hadn't really thought of, um, been aware of. I'd like to see
0: a sequel to that video where he talks about Asian Americans, how we put them in concentration camps, and when they immigrated in the 50s, we actually passed laws that didn't allow them to take any American jobs. We said you can come here, but you can't take. You can't have any jobs. Mm-hmm. We relegated them to you know to their own zip codes as well. I would like to see that sequel, and I, I wonder why the Asian Americans are doing even better than white folks in this country. Now. Yeah,
2: but let's let's say that you have the you know you hear about a father that has two sons, and he oppresses both of them, and and one of them overcomes that oppression and becomes a successful businessman. The other person really struggles by how his dad mistreated him and held him under mm. um, and took so much longer to get over it. Mm. We would not... Good point. Look at that yeah. other son and say, well, what about the other brother? Now, right. yeah, is there is there always... There's always personal responsibility. Mm. And that's the hope that we have in Christ that we are not ultimately determined by the actions of others. Mm. Um, we're able to overcome that in, in Christ. But it doesn't mean we ignore yeah. um how those policies really negatively impacted a lot of people yeah. um, a lot of the inner city i mean the inner city communities at least in large in part were created by the
0: policies
2: of our of our government yeah right.
0: um yep and yeah. we, they did they never were given their their birthright in, in, exactly. in, as a part of america when they when they were freed you know the other settlers when they came to America, they were given a parcel of land. They were given, you know, a hundred mm-hmm. acres, a thousand acres, whatever, to to start their life to become farmers, and and that was denied to um to black people. And mm-hmm. this, and, and, it, and it it continued, you know, through the through social Darwinism, all that stuff I've talked about right. continues to this day, absolutely. You know, and you know,
2: like right after slavery was ended, you know, the vagrancy laws were in the South, you know. It, I think 10 different states made it a crime not to have a job so these newly freed slaves who don't mm-hmm. have a job are now criminals and they were and sent they, back to the the plantations to work mm-hmm. yeah um and then jim crow and, and all of these things even you know in like the 1950s or 60s where you know the federal housing administration said that it's that incompatible racial groups should not be permitted to live in the same communities yeah right yeah. Things like so that.
0: He, he, so, here's my, here's my deal, though. I know I'm, I'm, like, jumping to the present now, though, because mm-hmm. that's, that's my concern. I, like, yeah. how, how we move forward. Right. Um, I don't see any good that can come from us, white people, black people, anybody, continually and obsessively looking back and looking back and looking back and looking back and bemoaning it and, and mourning yeah. it. I mean, at some point, I it is completely unfair and completely tragic what got the black community into the situation that they are in now through no fault of their own. But they are, unfortunately, they are going to have to get themselves out of it. No one else can do it for them. White people can't get them out of it. The system can't improve their, their lot in life as mm-hmm. much as pl- politicians might try to say. The only thing that can um improve the the lot in the life of of black americans is them choosing to overcome it that's the only thing that that, and and that's that's the message that's lost Uh, as long as you're
2: right like like in the past right when there weren't jim crow laws and stuff we'd say you know you know we need to overcome and we also need to change these
0: racist yes, policies right, right. But now that the laws are, are right are gone
2: we've actually done a lot of work trying to get rid of all of those racist we've policies. we've reversed it we have
0: affirmative action yeah to where exactly. you know you can have a c average and get into college yeah, right. if you're african-american you know which, i love right. i love the flip i can't side. imagine yeah
2: have you Go seen ahead. have you seen the the john james ad where he talks about you know who john james is Mm-mm. The center, um, uh, he's a african-american uh, running for U.S. Senate, and um, he has a campaign ad that aired recently where he talked about. He said, "America is the only country where you can go from slave to senator in four generations, and poverty huh. to prosperity in one generation." Hmm. And he's he's talking with his dad um, that 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 worked hard and and went from poverty and, and provided a life for his son, and you know four generations earlier, you know they were in slavery. It's incredible. America has caught and taken a that lot of time yeah. to, we're, we're catching up, we, the story of America has been us trying to catch up to the ideals on which we were founded. Mm-hmm. and Because uh, the, Cause the t-
1: ideals that we were founded on are anti-human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the fact that every, every person is free, the, the fact that every man is made in the image of God, that is not our default state and it can take a while. To, right to to figure those things out, yeah. and I I agree, you know, with that Joel in in the sense that um, on a personal level for people of color that is on a personal level what they'll get what will get them from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Um, I think obviously there maybe there might be still work to be done in, as far
0: as communities, governments, systems. Uh, who knows? But I don't. We're moving I, I don't in the right think direction. The, so much. the problem, I think maybe, you know. I I think. Ninety-nine percent of the improvement that can be Absolutely. had in the black community will is going to have to come from them, I th- and I think it is a grave sin, and um, and a grave injustice that there is a a white leftist class in this country that is seems to be obsessed with keeping the mm-hmm. our brothers and sisters wallowing in weakness, mm-hmm. bitterness, uh, resentment anger and powerlessness which is what the um, book
2: white fragility is espousing that's what it's, it's saying yeah. we're the power yeah. class and so we're yeah. the only ones who can do something about it exactly because you're the oppressed <laughs> group you can't do anything because we're keeping you down. racism so it's yeah racism. It, it is it is reverse racism
0: um oh don't say that that's you're not allowed to talk about racism okay <laughs> did, did i tell oh, you the about the
2: canon thing Did did you see my? I I, went viral. Yeah. Oh, dude, I saw the the response. Twenty thousand likes, Sam. (laughs) You got three thousand likes. Twenty thousand.
1: Twenty thousand. Yeah,
2: and the by far the most common. So, Joel just said the Nick Cannon deal where he was blasting, yeah. you know, people with less, you know, melanin and all, and Jews and everything. So, Nick
0: Cannon, yeah, he, he is, I think that's another issue in the, that, yeah. in the black community right now is that, like, the teachings of folks like, uh, Louis Farrakhan, the Nation yeah. of Islam, uh, the mm-hmm. black Hebrew Israelites right. that, um, kind of like the, you know, the, the bandanaed white boys that went and became alt right mm-hmm. have reacted to, you know, years of oppression by becoming, the alt, the black version of all right and right. um and nick cannon's yeah he, he talked about aaron you can kind of yeah so he basically he said.
2: said you know we have more melanin so we have more soul and those that have less melanin are actually lesser and closer to animals and the real savages yeah um and that's why they formed systems of oppression because they knew they were lesser than and they had to compensate mm-hmm. for that so anyway joel joel you know retweeted that and said wow actual racism (laughs) and over and over again responses to his
0: Mm -hmm.
2: comment were idiot black people can't be racist
0: yeah you need power to be racist right
2: and that is what goes back to where it says that the terms are being redefined because Mm -hmm. now racism is is solely linked to the idea of oppressed toward oppressor or oppressor toward oppressed right and it can only wow. be applied in that way
0: that that was the number one comment the other the number two comment that i got was oh look at this poor white boy um so right. scared and complaining about this guy that's being racist against him and that kind of broke my heart cuz i was like i don't care it's not it's not hurting me it's not affecting me in any way right i i'm heartbroken for nick cannon like you know, this is only going to hurt him. It's that that classic right. that classic saying, you know, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping it hurts the other person. Right? You know, I it it's it's tragic to see anybody wrapped up in this kind of thinking. And who
2: did he blame after he got fired? He he blamed systemic racism.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. That's crazy. And so
2: that is that is why he shouldn't why have been fired,
0: though. That's, no, yeah, that's I whole... I, I, hate, I hate the cancel culture. I don't care who it's coming for. <laughs> cancel culture is gross, man.
2: But that I mean that goes back to why it's so important. Why especially pastors and churches? You need to know what you're talking about. And when yeah. you utter the term racism, realize that some people hear that term and think, "Oh, he's talking about a white oppressor group uh, keeping you know uh, oppressing uh, a a victim group." That's mm. um, mm. a whole paradigm shift. That if you're not aware yeah. of, you're actually, you could be espousing false teaching without even knowing it. Yeah. Mm. Interesting.
0: So, do, why don't I leave us here with a, a passage. Um, this this comes from 2 Timothy. I think what's impactful about it is is um, that these were Paul's last words. He was about to be executed. And um, so, just uh, think of the Apostle Paul. He's giving his last words, his last words charge to his kind of his mentee, his uh, apprentice, Timothy, who was this pastor of a church in a world where you have Jew and Gentile, you know, duking it out, these cultural differences. You have the, the Roman oppressors, the colonizers who have taken over the entire world and they're pressing everybody, you know, so this is the kind of world that Timothy is pastoring a church in, Okay. These are Paul's last words to Timothy in in chapter four. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead. And because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, Mm -hmm. be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and teaching for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside instead to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Hmm. So I thought that was a good kind of fitting end to this, that Hmm. Paul's charge to Timothy was to preach the word. Mm-hmm. There's so many other things he could have said, so many other pieces of, of, of advice he could have given him, but he told him to preach the word and mm-hmm. to and to be ready, ready mm-hmm. for the people who are going to want to hear something else, who are going to be floating around from teacher to teacher looking mm-hmm. for what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I, I think that's a, a, a fitting passage for kind of the world that we're living in now, don't mm-hmm. you think? Yeah. Can I throw some recs out there? Recommendations. Um, yes. Yeah, so, Neil Shenvey, Um, I'm going to link to his website and his review of Woke Church, so I'll include that. I'll include a link to Rosaria Butterfield's talk. Um, I will include a link to uh, John Harris's Facebook page and, uh, and podcast. John Harris is kind of, he's kind of a young guy, he's recently graduated from seminary, I think, and he's just kind of dedicated his whole thing to talking about this this woke movement in the churches so he's very well versed in it and and has a lot of resources um there um i'll link to all the stuff that we referred to so uh paul david Tripp and and uh who was the guy the veggie tales guy i'll link to that fisher yep fisher. um visher uh but yeah anything else any other a couple things throw out there and you can include
2: these or not it's it's up to you joel um yeah uh samuel say i don't know if you've heard that name before okay um younger guy too uh but he has a blog called slow to write um he's a he's a canadian from ghana originally from ghana and um, i've heard
0: it i thought slow to write i think i've heard of yeah, that blog he's a,
2: he's a he's a solid guy he he wrote okay. a, a review on white fragility that i thought was helpful hmm. and he's also written um several articles since the george floyd um incident that nice. have been helpful um and then, Chally's wrote a, a review recently on uh, called called White Fragility and the story it tells, and it's basically just a synopsis of the author's um, argument, okay, uh, Robin D'Angelo's argument, and it's incredibly how incredible how self defeating and empty it is without even him commenting on it. So that's okay. I'd recommend that one too. And okay. then, um, there is there's a good article on desiring God called seeing the world in black and white and kay. How in today's world? suspicion leads directly to slander without ever like hmm. you know investigating <laughs> and hearing yeah. and, and understanding um, so that's helpful and then finally um, I found this awesome video uh, called what if Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin Skywalker sounded like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck their final confrontation <laughs> uh, when he gets burnt alive. Oh, man. So uh, I will used... link to that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely.
0: After going through all that other garbage, you're going to need think, it. <laughs> I, think uh. is, I can, I can, I can play it
2: over, over the.
0: Uh, yeah, wait, hold on. Can
2: I? <laughs> yeah, please. Okay, <laughs> please do. Wait, all right, hold on. I'm gonna make sure this is all. Here we go.
3: <clears throat> it's over, Anakin. I. Have you're a to my power! Don't try it! <laughs> you? are the chosen one! You was said that you would destroy the city, <laughs> not join them! Bring balance to the force, not leave it in darkness! <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> You are my daughter again. Uh, I, I want you?
0: <laughs> I love the internet. That's great. Uh, there is hope
2: in this world.
0: Oh my There's goodness. There's light even in darkness. That's so, right. Good. The, yes. the the great you catastrophe of this episode was mickey mouse and donald duck with lightsabers Uh. (laughs) oh man all right brothers